Welcome to the Pearl of Great Price podcast. Thanks for joining us today. It's the 25th of June, and in this day in Christian history, we go back to the year 1938, and we travel to Rome, where Pope Pius XI missioned the American Jesuit, John Lafarge, to draft an encyclical on racialism. As he felt that the topic was the most burning one of the time, particularly the rise in influence of the racist ideology of National Socialism in Germany. It was drafted during the summer and given to the Pope by the end of the year. However, it was never promulgated as Pius XI died early in 1939. The Pope had already released an encyclical the year before on the church in the German Reich with the title Mit Brennende Sorge, with burning concern. Unusually for a papal encyclical, it was written in German, not the usual Latin, and it had been smuggled into Germany for fear of censorship and read from all the pulpits of the German Catholic churches on one of the church's busiest Sundays, Palm Sunday. It was a considerable achievement as the efforts to produce and distribute over 300,000 copies of the encyclical were kept entirely secret, allowing priests across Germany to read the letter without interference. The Gestapo raided churches the next day to confiscate all the copies that they could find, and the printing presses that had printed the letter were all shut down. A new wave of persecution against the church began although the Concordat, which had been agreed four years earlier, remained intact. There was an increase in the harassment of monks and priests, with staged prosecutions for alleged immorality and phony abuse trials. The new encyclical envisaged by the Pope was to be universal, as racist ideology was not limited to Germany, And the encyclical was to be called Humani Generis Unitas, on the unity of the human race. Lafarge, a Harvard graduate, had gone to Austria to study theology at the University of Innsbruck, where he had been ordained a priest. And his early work as a Jesuit had been in Maryland, spending 15 years ministering to mainly African-American and immigrant communities along Chesapeake Bay. This work had deeply shaped his attitude to race relations and to racism, which he considered a sin. He spoke out publicly against the conditions under which African Americans lived, and he demonstrated special interest in furthering education for disadvantaged communities, founding an industrial school in southern Maryland for African American boys, the Cardinal Gibbons Institute. He would leave Maryland to become an editor of America, a leading Jesuit weekly magazine. His articles on racism, or racialism as it was widely known then, attracted broad public attention, both in the United States and further abroad, including the Pope. As the Nazis massed forces against Europe in the summer of 1938, 
Pope Pius XI saw the urgency of awakening world leaders to the murderous intentions that the Nazis had against the Jews. The Pope had just read Lafarge's book, Interracial Justice, a study of the Catholic doctrine of race relations, which had only been published the year before. In it, Lafarge had argued against then-prevalent ideas about the innate inferiority of African Americans and vigorously against segregation and their separate but equal doctrine. When Lafarge met the Pope, he was amazed that the Pope had read his book so quickly and he agreed to the project, although he felt unworthy, knowing the weight and influence a papal encyclical would carry. Drafted urgently, during the summer of 1938, it would reject anti-Semitism and the Nazi doctrine based on the myth of Arianism and racial superiority that promoted the persecution of the Jews. It encompassed a great general critique of ideas such as state and race that had diminished human dignity and argued against the moral evils of racism and anti-Semitism. Why was the encyclical never released? For several decades, the encyclical lingered in the obscurity of the Vatican archives until the researchers George Pasolek and Bernard Szczecki brought it to light in the 1990s. Peter Eisner published a book in 2013 called The Pope's Last Crusade, How an American Jesuit Helped Pope Pius XI's Campaign to Stop Hitler. And this gives a full account of what happened. It seems that it was a race against time and the Popes had a worsening heart condition that had made him more inaccessible and his failing health had created a power vacuum. There were conservative forces in the Vatican who saw communism as a greater threat than fascism. And the Pope foresaw this so commissioned the encyclical directly and secretly with John Lafarge, wanting to avoid any blocks and bypassing the usual channels, particularly the diplomat Cardinal Pacelli and the Polish priest Father Vladimir Ledekowski, who was the Father General of the Jesuits. After it had been commissioned, Ledekowski subsequently assigned two other priests fathers Gundlach and Desbequois to join Lafarge in his task, but swearing them all to strict secrecy. When he finished the draft, mindful that the Pope had asked him to deliver the encyclical directly to his hand, Lafarge turned to returned to Rome to do just that, but found Pius XI weak and possibly dying. With his direct route to the Pope blocked, Lafarge entrusted the encyclical to Ledekowski, who assured him that he would pass it on. Lafarge felt that this was his duty as an obedient Jesuit, and he later admitted to regretting it, as Ledekowski was clearly playing for time. When Pope Leo rapidly died, there were unsubstantiated rumours that the Pope's doctor, Patacci, had hastened his death. He was the father of Claretta Patacci, 
Mussolini's mistress. After the conclave, which saw Pacelli being elected as Pius XII, Vladimir Lakovsky persuaded the new Pope that Lafarge's manuscript lacked focus and was too extreme. The encyclical thus lost the endorsement of the Vatican. Three months before his death, John Lafarge walked in the March on Washington in 1963 and stood on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial behind Martin Luther King as he delivered his famous I Have a Dream speech. See the podcast of March the 10th. This was understood as a public acknowledgement of Lafarge's early role in the movement for racial equality that was now being led by others. He would die, possibly prematurely, days after the assassination of John F. Kennedy. And at his eulogy, Boston's Cardinal, Richard Cushing, spoke of him as being a pioneer in the field of interracial justice. That's all from the Pearl of Great Price today. Join us tomorrow if you can, as we look at the death of Hans Urs von Balthasar, one of the greatest theological voices of the 20th century. I hope you've enjoyed listening. Visit us on www.pogp.net and if you'd like to contact us to request a topic or ask any questions, then email the show on pogppod at gmail.com. I've started putting links to the books that are mentioned in the scripts on the blog as requested. Have a lovely day wherever you are and thanks for listening.